Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready with the word today? We're going to be going a couple of places before we get to the book of Colossians, but we're going to eventually end up in the book of Colossians, all right? And today we're talking about well-seasoned, well-seasoned. You know, both history and our individual experiences testify to the fact that people generally enjoy a little variety in life and generally enjoy a little flavor in most of the arenas of life. And, and one of the more common complaints of both the young and the not-so-young is that of boredom. You know, have you ever been bored? You know, many times we kind of get bored with the same old, same old, and if we're not watchful, uh, uh, we can get you know, uh, uh, put off by the bland elements of life. We like a little flavor in life. We like a little seasoning in life, if you will. And, and nothing typifies the desire and perhaps even the need for a little flavor more than the uh, ionic compound. I have some resident chemical engineers. Ionic compound, aren't you impressed? NaCl, sodium chloride, or as you may better know it, salt. Okay? Nothing typifies the fact that we like a little taste, we like a little flavor, we like a little season more than this element salt or more than this compound salt. Um, a little salt can change an almost inedible and enjoyable meal into a tasty adventure, you know. Uh, and uh, people even add um, something that's salty to something that's sweet just to kind of enhance both flavors. Isn't that amazing? Well, when you come to think about it, salt is pretty awesome. It preserves, it cleanses, it has some healing properties, and it makes dishes more savory. Salt. In fact, God even required salt, Leviticus tells us. God required salt to be a part of the meat and the grain offerings that people brought to the altar for sin and for other sacrifices. Leviticus says, season all your meat offerings with salt and, and never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. Okay, uh, don't, don't forget salt. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Jesus even repeated that. No sacrifice should ever be offered without salt, he said. That's Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Uh, by the way, uh, speaking about meat and grain offerings... I know that some of you are busy in your yearly Bible reading. I have a daily Bible reading, and each year I choose a different Bible reading. In fact, I'll buy a new Bible. This is my new Bible for this year, you know, uh, because I like to read it fresh. And, and I've already, you know, highlighted some things in here, but by the time it's over, this Bible will be so highlighted, if I'm not watchful, I'll turn to a page and only read the highlight. Only read my notes from, you know, 20-year-ago sermon. Not that it gets old, but God speaks to us fresh bread every day. And I don't like to just be drawn to my last sermon. I don't like to, you know, I like, to, I, I like fresh manna. And so this is my habit. It doesn't have to be yours. But if you're like me and reading through the Bible, this year I chose the chronological Bible. 
Okay, and uh, I, I've done it before, but I'm doing it again this year. And uh, last year I did uh, some other Bible reading plan. And so, you know, most Bible reading plans along about this time of the year during the last month, you're going through, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you know, you, you get into those genealogies. And you get into those offerings, and it just can seem like, you know, it, it is so repetitious and so repetitive. And so, you know, it, it can actually get a little bit, um, I, I don't know, it, it, it can get a little bit boring, you know. Um, you know, I, 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 I've been doing this for a number of years, and it can just seem repetitive at times. Well, uh, uh, as I said, uh, reading through this, this, um, this year's, I thought something this year I've never thought about before. You know, uh, uh, reading through all these sacrifices and offerings that God commanded the children of Israel, recently I realized uh, that, that some people who are reading these instructions uh, for offerings, they might imagine that people brought their tithes and their offerings and, you know, their bulls and their goats and their sheep, you know, and their grain or whatever else. People might imagine that God said, I want you to bring this stuff and uh, uh, give it, you know, to the priest at the altar, and he just puts it on the altar or, and, and burns it all up. It's just all burned up, you know. I mean, I can imagine from reading through that that people might imagine that the end result of the offering was everything you brought to God, you know, you brought a bull to God, and they just set this thing on fire and threw it on the uh, smoker, and it just, you know, disintegrated. It, the fire was so hot, it just, it just burned everything up. But that is not what happened. And that's not what God intended for them to do. The offerings weren't burned up. You know, uh, these sacrifices weren't burned up. Okay? Have you ever wondered why God said when you bring your tithe or your firstborn bull or sheep or the, or, or the first fruits of your field, you know, or a sin offering or a free will offering, when you bring it to the temple and give it to the priest, make sure that you bring a little flour with it, a little salt with it, a little oil with it, and a little wine. That's what God said do. Bring some flour. If you're going to bring an offering to the Lord, if you're going to bring some meat, you're going to bring some grain, then you make sure you bring some flour and some oil and some salt and some wine. Yeah, I mean, God never intended for you to just throw all that on the fire and it just burn up. That's not what he wanted. You see, uh, it, it, it was rather to be given to the priests so him and his family could eat because he didn't have a flock and he didn't have a field. And this was the order of God. You can read that in Exodus 29. But God had no intent for the priest to burn the flour or the salt or the grain or the meat or the oil or the wine as a sacrifice to him. Only certain parts, some organs and the blood, you know, uh, 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 you know, a representative portion of grain was either poured on the altar or else burned on the altar so it would sanctify the rest of it. It was basically, a, uh, you know, a, a, an offering of the offering. In fact, God commanded the priest to give a tithe of the tithe of the tithe, you know. It's, it's, it's just interesting. And it's the same way in every person's life. Whenever they honor the Lord with their substance, with the first fruit of all their increase, then the rest of it is blessed. 
You know, what, what, what a good thing. And so whenever, uh, uh, you know, offerings or sacrifices were brought to the temple, then the priest would burn portions of it or burn even, you know, t take a little of the grain and burn a little bit of it with the flour and the oil just a little bit so that the rest of it would be sanctified. Uh, uh, the priests were required to tie the tithe of the tithes and the offerings. Uh, and, and then the rest was counted increase. God has instituted this partnership with us. But I found it very interesting that God did not want offerings or sacrifices to be brought to Him without salt. As I said, Jesus said it. Salt was a commanded accompaniment. It was a commanded part of each offering made to God by the people. Salt was meant to benefit others. It wasn't meant to benefit God. Salt was not burned on the altar to God. It was meant to benefit others. Bring salt with your offering. With what you offer to me, add salt to it. In fact, some offerings required flour and wine and oil, but every one of them required salt. Because it was for other people to meet the needs, to make a savory offering so that it could benefit other people. Interesting, huh? Uh, you know, I, I find this throughout the Word of God. It, even, let, let me throw this one in there, Job 6.6. 6. This is Job speaking after he's gone through all of his problems. And Job said, can flavorless food be eaten without salt? This was his conclusion. <laughs> or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Isn't that interesting? I love the Bible. It just tells you everything, doesn't it? You know, Job had lost everything he had, and he was sitting in ashes with boils all over his body. His wife was aggravated and fussing at him, and his friends were trying to you know, tell him that he had disappointed God. And here he is sitting in his horrible situation, and all he can think about is even the food doesn't taste good. Nobody's even salted my food. Come on now, with all of this and still there's no salt? Well, I'm making a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a little liberty here with Job, but, uh, but I, I think he kind of helps drive home the point here. Fast forward to the New Testament, specifically to the Gospels, and three times Jesus said this, salt is good. Salt is good. Now, I know some of you, your cardiologists, may have a different opinion. Okay. Uh, but Jesus said salt is good. He's talking in the, in, 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 in the greater picture. And he said, in fact, in Mark 9, 49, that every sacrifice that is offered to God, every sacrificial service to God, every offering that we give to God, not just of money or things on that. I don't, don't anybody start putting salt in the offering plate. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that would be funny, wouldn't it? I think next time I go to a revival meeting, I'm going to just dump some of those little packets in there. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's the offering of our lives. The greatest offering, our heart, our worship. You know, the sweet-smelling savor of our prayers and our intercession and our worship to God. Jesus said is to be offered with salt. Every sacrifice, he said, must be seasoned with salt. 
in Matthew the fifth chapter in verse 13, he also said, you are the salt of the earth. And if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Wow. Well, with these things in mind, we're going to go to our text for today out of Colossians chapter 4. And in Colossians chapter 4, we're going to take a look at a well-seasoned life, a well-seasoned offering to God. What does it look like? You know, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? How does that play out in practical terms in my today life? What can I do today to make sure that my life has in it and, and added to it the well-seasoned need that God knows others will find flavorful and tasty and enjoyable and savory? Or am I just a bland offering to God? Or, you know, uh, something that is just, you know, unsavory? The Apostle Paul, uh, you know, uh, uh, wrote the book of Colossians. And this morning we're going to discover uh, how this well-seasoned life that he talks about, how it should unfold in our lives. And by the way, when we're reading about salt and when I'm encouraging you to be a little salty, salty does not imply or excuse being rude. Saltiness is not rudeness. It's not being sassy. It's not being sarcastic. It's not being a know-it-all. Okay? We'll talk about what salty is, though. And how important it is that we add a little salt to our offerings before God. As I said, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians uh, while he was under arrest in Rome under Nero. And uh, it's about the year A.D. 61-62. And by this time, the Apostle Paul is 58 years old. He's been through quite a lot. He's going to live about another five years before he's executed uh, 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 under Nero. But uh, uh, he is well-seasoned. He has gone through so much, and he's a little bit old. Do you know when you get a little bit older, you know, you, you get a little more seasoned to your life, you get a little more accomplished, a little more experienced, you know, you, you, you start understanding how you could better present yourself. The Apostle Paul, whenever he first got saved, presented himself in a very uh, 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 aggressive way. He was antagonistic. The Apostle Paul was so antagonistic that it caused an upheaval in Jerusalem, an upheaval in Damascus, and they kept having to get him out of town so that the church could have some peace. Because he didn't understand that what had happened to him, you know, uh, uh, he needed to be a little more seasoned in how to present it to others so others would embrace the gospel, would embrace the truth, and not reject the truth. You know, uh, there is a way that you can talk to people if you need to tell them something that they are more apt to receive it. And there is a way that you can talk to them even about the very same truth that they are more apt to reject the truth and reject you. You know, we, we, we shouldn't water our flowers with a fire hose. And we shouldn't, you know, go out fishing by beating the, the water with a boat paddle or screaming in the boat. 
There are things that, 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 that just work and things that don't work. And one of the things the Apostle Paul is going to tell us that works is when we add a little flavor, we add, you know, like Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. You know, and, and, and fish like bait. They like bait that they like to nibble on and they like to bite and they like to, you know, uh, they don't necessarily just like you slapping them with a hook. And so uh, the, the Apostle Paul here is 58 years old, uh, give or take a little bit. He's a preacher, and, and, and at the end of his life here, he is winning more souls from more segments of society, from different cultures and different customs and different you know, languages. And, 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 and you know, he's, he's leading political people of the day to the Lord. He's leading the, 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 the guards of Nero's prison in Rome to the Lord. He is reaching out to, to, to slaves like Epaphroditus. He's reaching out to you know, the, the, he, uh, Onesimus, uh, who, who was a runaway slave, slave church members. He's, he's, he's reaching out to every segment. He must be very well seasoned and he is an offering to God to the benefit of others God does not need the Apostle Paul to tell him about Jesus God needs the Apostle Paul to tell other people about Jesus but he needs the Apostle Paul to tell them in a way that they are most likely to hear it and want to hear more and, and accept it, because not only does it make sense, but it, you know, it's, it's flavorful. It's not just religious. It's not just pious. It's not just you know, some, uh, you know, uh, something that people can't understand, something they can't swallow, something they can't you know, uh, uh, stand. And sometimes people can't stand things because they're too salty. Oh, that was good. Wasn't that good? Let me hear a glory. glory. Oh, come on. Let's, let's do it one good time. Raymond's sitting in heaven. I know he's hollering glory. Come on now. Everybody, one, two, three. Glory. glory. Yeah, all right. Colossians 4. It's just a couple of verses here. And let's look and see what the Apostle Paul is concluding, uh, this, this well-seasoned apostle from prison, riding to a, a church in Turkey. Okay? He said, verse 5, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Now, the outside people are the people that are lost. They're out of the faith. They're outside of the envelope of Christianity. They, they, they aren't Christians. They aren't saved. They aren't born again. They're lost. They're on their way to hell. Walk, he said, in wisdom towards those that are lost and outside of the faith and outside of your religious experience and outside of your religious terminology and outside of your, you know, all of your excitement. They don't even know what you're talking about. Walk with a little wisdom here, redeeming the time. What does he mean that? He's, he's, he's talking about let's make the very most out of every second that we have with a lost person. Every second that a lost person will listen to me is an opportunity for us to catch them for Christ. And we need to make the most out of every minute that we have. 
out of every moment, out of every crowd. We talked Wednesday night about you are headed to your next crowd. You are, you, you are just on your way to the next crowd. That's what the Apostle Paul was. Whether it was a crowd in prison or a crowd at the next city or a crowd that was riding against him or, or, or a crowd down by the river, he was always on his way to the next crowd that he could tell about Jesus. And late in life, he got very good at it. And now he's sharing his way, the way he looked at it. Walk in wisdom. Come on now, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. If you're not catching fish, you're not doing it right. Come on. Here, a few years ago, one of our elders, Tony Wilson, took me fishing. He had, you know, he had the poles, he had, and, a, and he threw a cast net out, and he caught the bait, and he, you know, and, 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 and he would, you know, he was even putting the bait on my hook for me. And I was literally standing right beside him in the boat out in Bessie Heights, right across, just, just about, you know, a mile and a half right across there. And he was catching fish after fish after fish after fish. And I had not caught one. He even threw it out there for me. <laughs> But once he handed it to me, it just wasn't working. You know, he, he's nice and kind, and he's, you know, he actually would hook one or two and hand me the pole and let me bring it in. I, I realized after a while, I was doing it wrong. I, 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 it, you know, because, you know, there were fish out there, and he was catching fish, and I was fishing in the same place. I even get over there, he said, well, come over here and stand here and cast her out there where I just caught this. Nothing. I was doing it wrong. In, in dealing with your children, if it's not working, you're doing it wrong. Come on. Do it. Come on. You can find out how to, you can get some help. Your finances. If it's not working, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Like Pastor Luke says, it's, you know, the finances, financial problems are not not numbers problems it's behavior problems oh that's pretty good stuff isn't it if you're doing it right it ought to work if you're not winning souls if people don't want to listen to your witness then you're probably doing it wrong oh you can set there all pious and say that i'm just going to keep doing it my way but let me tell you i've had that experience i didn't catch a fish So the Apostle Paul says, walk with a little wisdom. Get a little wisdom under your belt and watch the time. He says in verse 6, and let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Wow. Interesting, huh? So that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Each one of those that are outside. Let your speech 
always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, since we who are born again believers, since we represent Jesus Christ, we are God's offering, but the offerings are not for God. The offerings are not just burned up in heaven. What we can do for Jesus does not just disintegrate in heaven and turn into nothing. Offerings are brought to God for other people. And he intends for them to be savory. He intends for them to meet their needs and bless them. And, and we are all kings and priests unto God uh, you know, here in our, our, our New Testament time. And it's so important that we realize that when we offer our lives to God, God does not need us to tell him about Jesus. God needs us to tell others about Jesus, but tell them in such a way that they listen, it makes sense, it tastes good, it's not too salty, and it's not too bland, and, 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 and it, it, it's, it's catching fish. And the Apostle Paul is telling us how to do that. You know, and, and the time is short. And God intends for us to make the most out of every encounter that we have with a lost person. Walk in wisdom. Uh, that's what he said walk in wisdom and when it comes to dealing with people that don't know Jesus people that aren't saved come on back up just a little bit we cannot afford just to be our religious you know you know and uh, 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 you know person we need to actually speak the language of the listener. We need to understand. We need to listen. We need to care. Uh, you know, uh, you can't just tell them about this, you know, um, you know, church on Sunday. Wasn't it great? Uh, church on Sunday, I'll tell you what, it was so wonderful. We had, we had uh, uh, three messages in tongues, and by that time, they're, okay, they're off somewhere else. Uh, be wise. Don't forget that they have no idea what you're talking about. Don't forget that they don't have that inner witness. Don't forget uh, that they don't feel like you feel and they don't see things God's way. Uh, uh, no doubt God is dealing with them. He needs your help. And he'll help you catch them. Just don't make them turn you off because you're such an oddball. I just wrote that right in there and I kind of chuckled whenever i did that y'all ever meet an oddball don't be that oddball at work people won't listen to you they don't want to sit down and have lunch with you other people think they're oddballs don't be an oddball i thought i'd get an amen there one or two don't be an oddball to you to your children be godly be honest be loving be caring be prayerful, you know, be expressive, but don't be weird. Don't be spooky. Don't be so high on your terminology that nobody understands. Try to not use the word sanctified too many times at work. Oh, this is good stuff. You know, you just can't go everywhere and get this stuff. Okay, number two, uh, let your speech always be with grace. Uh, please don't be judgmental and critical about sinners, to sinners or about them. That, that, that's, 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 that's not going to win friends and influence people. It's just not going to happen. Be courteous, be agreeable, have grace for others. And don't fake sincerity and don't fake happiness. People need to see that you also go through some things, but you go through them with Jesus. You go through them in, 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 in faith, and, 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 and uh, you know, you're not just faking perfection here. Do you know the word flattery is, is, is used 21 times in the Bible, and every one of them is negative? Don't flatter people. It, flattery is seen through. You know, that, that's not a door opener. 
That's a door closer. Okay? Be sincere. Be honest. Be caring. And be wise. And let your speech be with grace. Seasoned with salt. That means, you know, we, we don't try to, uh, uh, um, you know, don't just be bland and don't be too salty. But definitely, if it doesn't burn in you, if you're not excited about Jesus, then you first need to get on your knees before you go to work. You need to do a little worship. You need to begin to just uh, make a list of all the things that God has ever done for you. And by the time you get finished, maybe you'll be, you know, uh, be, be at a place to where you're excited about Jesus. And you're excited about what he's done in your life. And you can talk with a little bit of excitement, just a little bit of flavor, just a little bit of zeal, just a little bit of, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, and, and make, make, make your, your, your conversations just a little more interesting. There's no taste in the white of an egg. If it doesn't burn in you, basically Job said, it won't burn in anybody that hears you. Don't be sour or distasteful about sinners. And then he said, we do all these things so that we may know how we should answer each one. Realize that every person, every person is an individual. Every person deserves personal attention and a personal approach every person deserves to be listened to so that you can know how to answer each one of them individually it's not just a, a pat game that we're playing it's not just some rehearsed rhetoric some polished rhetoric it's not just some formula that works when you get an opportunity to talk with a lost person, do your best to be seasoned with salt. Offer yourself to God. Let Him give you a little wisdom because the time is short. You never know how short it is. You never know. And sometimes you may feel compelled to be a little stronger. I was in a tent one October it was it was the last day of september and it was in 1986 or 87 and i was in a tent on sulfur river because the next morning was squirrel season opened up and i was at squirrel camp and the spirit of god spoke to me about midnight and said go and witness to this person I mean strong. I knew it. I knew it. I, it was so strong. I got up, and I, uh, one of the elders of our church was there, and I said, listen, I've got to go. It was a long, muddy drive out. I had a four-wheel drive with big old tires, and I had to just, it was a long, muddy drive out, so he went with me. And we prayed in the Spirit all the way there, drove out about seven, eight miles, hit the road, then went, you know, uh, went about another 20 miles pulled up in front of this lady's house it was early in the morning by that time I knocked on the door and she came to the door she was scared and I said listen the Lord told me to come and talk to you I don't know what it's about but you need Jesus you need to be born again you know and I, I, I and, and she shut the door on me I knocked on the door again I said ma'am I know you live alone and I know you may be you know concerned here but but uh, you know you know me I'm a preacher in this community 
And I'm telling you that Jesus wants to save your soul. What's keeping you right now? I know he's been dealing with you. I know it's in your heart. I know you want to be saved. What's keeping you from being saved? And she said, I've just done so much. I said, well, let me tell you something. You can, you can be saved right now. I said, I was in a tent, and the Lord spoke to me and told me to come and you know, witness to you. I'm, you, know, you can do what you want to, but I'm telling you that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And if you will just ask him to come into your heart, he will save your soul. She broke down and began to cry. She stepped out onto her front porch, a little, a little four by three front porch probably. And I took her hand and right there in the headlight of my pickup, I prayed with her and she prayed the prayer and she asked Jesus to come into her heart and her life. You know, I, I, I got back in the truck and we worshiped God all the way back down to squirrel camp. I slept and I got up and I went out and got my limit that morning, 10 squirrels. Came back and, and started the stew. That was my job all, every year. I started a squirrel stew. And while it was cooking, I thought I would run out and, and check on uh, Brendan the kids. And guess what I found whenever I got out to my house? That woman had been hit by a car that morning early and was dead. Let me tell you, you don't need to waste time. I could tell you probably five or six more stories just like that. Redeem the time. Be wise. Every person deserves a personal chance, a personal opportunity to say yes to Jesus. There are people in your world, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. He is coming. He is coming for every person in their lifetime. Are we at the end of the world? We're at the end of the world for about 150,000 people today. May as well be. And every day, who in your world is lost? What can you do to reach them? God will work with you. Be wise. Redeem the time. Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. You need to be a little salty, not too salty, but a little salty. But that's not rude and that's not sassy. That's not sarcastic. That's, and that's not aggressive. And that's not condemning. And it's not being weird. And it's not being odd. It's being sincere and honest and caring and, and make an individual chance for a person to say yes to Christ. You can do that. You can do that. You know, God's working with you. And he'll tell you how to answer each one. Amen? But if you're not saved today, you can be by asking Jesus to come into your heart and your life. That's all it takes. Just ask Jesus, come into my heart. Save my soul. Be my Lord, my Savior. He will. He will today. Just like he saved that woman. He'll do it. He'll do it today. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.